Welcome to Confessions of a Melanated Queen, a podcast designed to celebrate achievements within black culture. Here's your host, Dr. Lauren Meeks. Welcome back to Confessions of a Melanated Queen. Before we get started, let's hear a word from our sponsor. The Center for Self-Improvement, Holistic Wellness, and Transformation is your one-stop shop to Wellville. Here at the Center, we believe in treating the whole person. This is why our goal is to help each of our clients to obtain optimal health and wellness through mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional alignment. For more information about the services that we provide, visit us at thecenterforselfimprovement.com or give us a call at 630-748-4849. The Center, where we believe in treating the whole you. Welcome back to Confessions of a Melanated Queen. Guys, if you've been paying attention to the last couple of episodes, then you will know that I am super excited to dedicate the rest of the month of October to my friends, my queens, the Royal Empress. If you paid attention to um, anything that I'm doing on Monday mornings, then you would know that every week I share their podcast. These three ladies have done so much to enlighten me. Um, When I think about, you know, how my work week is, I can really attribute much of my success to listening to them every Monday morning and sometimes Sunday nights I tune in. Um, But today, What's so special about this particular episode is that the whole reason why I'm even connected to this group of women is because this wonderful queen, this angel, I mean, just this wonderful woman, (laughs) this is Lucky Shay Nadir Muhammad, and I met back in June, and she was just so warm and welcoming, and she reached out to me. We were at a meeting. We were at a, um, a networking event. She came by, and you know, she actually, I think I sat next to her and we had a conversation and uh, we exchanged information and she reached out to me later on that evening. And it has been just such a wonderful journey since then. And so today I have the privilege of having Ms. Naki Shea here on the show. It's Queen, sis, yes. thank you oh so much. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. Queen. Oh my God. I am, you don't even know how a geek I am to eat on this show. This is one of my favorite podcasts as well. So it's really wonderful um, to be present here, Dr. Lauren Meeks. You actually are one of our super, super supporters and with the um, conversations with the Royal Empress. And I'm just honored, honored to even be here. We thank you for the support that you've given us over the last um, few months that we've had our podcast. And I also thank you just personally, the support and the encouragement and the assistance that you've given me, you know, with my business. So it's an honor. Oh, no, the, the, the pleasure is all mine. I, I had a chance to, um, last week, uh, Akilah was on our show. And so we had a chance to talk about some of the things that really stand out. And um, when I think about the Royal Empress, when I think about the empowerment that I feel, I feel a sense of social responsibility. I feel a sense of togetherness. I feel a sense of community. I feel like as a woman, um, I'm empowered to make a difference. I'm reminded that I'm the original woman. There's so many facets to your show. And, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to have a conversation with everyone individually is because aside from the organization, 
you guys are doing some wonderful things individually. And I, I want to thank you on the show for being a sponsor. So you have a business, the Center for Self-Improvement, Holistic Wellness and Transformation, and your organization is a sponsor for our, our program. But there's so much that you do aside from your podcast, aside from some of the conversations I've had with you, aside from the, the, the meetings and the networking events and the things that you are a part of. Um, you have so much going on, and I just want to talk to you about that today. I mean, in your words, how would you describe your work? <laughs> you know, that's always uh, a question that kind of cracks me up <laughs> because I do a lot of things. I really do. And just trying to narrow it down has always been a bit of a challenge. And I'm reminded, um, you know, right now I'm like here in my office and I had a a friend that I've been knowing like since I was like 16, she came and visited me. We have been trying to connect for almost 15 plus years, probably even longer than that. And one day she's like, you know what? I just need to stop by and see, you know, see you. And she did. Her name is Miss Marcy Farrell. She is a wonderful um, minister in her own right, um, an evangelist. And when she came by here, she really blessed my office. And I shared this with her, the very thing that you asked, you know, when I was saying to her, I said, you know what, it's been always difficult for me to kind of just sum up what I do and just kind of say like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I do. And I said, oftentimes, you know, people say to me, well, you know, you do too many things. You need to just stay focused on one thing. It seems like you're doing this, you're doing that. And I hear that a lot. And, you know, you hear that um, saying that, you know, being the um, jack of all trades, you know, and the master of none. And I don't look at it the same way. I look at it like, wow, I feel like God has really enriched me in my life and he's blessed me with so many gifts and so many talents. They're all related though. And so um, as I was talking to her and just telling her how it was a challenge and I just really did want to kind of maybe focus maybe on just a few things and not just have all of these things that I was working on. And she said to me, she's like, but why? She said, why would you want to do that? And I'm paraphrasing. She was like, you, you know, something like you have the right to be able to do them all. You know, God gave them all to you. So you do have the right to be able to do them all. And that just left, you know, um, just something, a deep, you know, strong feeling in my soul. And I'm so thankful that she, you know, put that on me and put that on my spirit. And that's how I choose to go forth. So in, in you asking me that question, who mm-hmm. am I? What do I do? Um, I'm a healer. I am a speaker. I'm an author. You know, I, um, I'm a holistic health practitioner. I'm a therapist. I'm, I'm these things, but most importantly, I'm, I'm a sister. Yeah. And I believe just being a sister and a woman who loves God and I love my people, I am able to, or God has blessed me to be able to have multiple gifts mm-hmm. so that I can pour back into my people as their sister, mm-hmm. as their friend, you know, as their healer, as their advocate, you know. Um, so I wear many hats and I feel that God is constantly strengthening me to be able to extract and pull, you know, from the best of what he's allowed me to offer. Mm-hmm. And um, that's who I am <laughs> in short. Yeah, I mean, that you are, because again, um, there's not a time that I have not had any type of connection with you, whether it was in person or even listening to your show that I did not feel empowered 
and I did not have something to walk away with that made me better. So I thank you for that. And she's absolutely right. You know, God has blessed you. Um, and I, we, we need you. So continue to do what you do. I know it gets tough. Um, but you are doing a lot of things though, but I really want to ask you about the center for self-improvement, holistic wellness and transformation with that effort. What are some of the services or, or anything that you offer that you would like to share with us? Okay, sure. So so the Center for Self-Improvement, Holistic Wellness and Transformation, which is a mouthful, Mm -hmm. um, but it has to be. Um, We call it the Center for Short or the Center for Self-Improvement, but it it offers holistic wellness and transformation through helping um, people who who are on a journey to wellness. Mm -hmm. I offer services that are specific to those who want to heal. And oftentimes when we hear that word heal, we limit ourselves in believing that healing only takes place on a physical plane of existence. Mm -hmm. You know, one of my spiritual teachers has taught me that everything that exists on a physical plane also has a spiritual counterpart. And I believe that, you know, wholeheartedly. And so when I think about healing, I look at it not only physical, but I look at it from a spiritual perspective, um, emotional, mental, financial, in every aspect of our life. And so even with just using the word holistic and, you know, as we talked about, you know, I spell holistic with a W opposed to with the H, because when I think about holistic, H-O-L, I think about digging a hole, mm-hmm. almost reminds me of um, burying something or digging uh, perhaps a grave. When I think about whole, W-H-O-L-E, that encompasses so much more. It encompasses the entire person in all aspects of our life. You know, when we think about... Um, even when it comes to, you know, people getting a checkup or going to the doctor, we're, again, we're addressing the physical things that might be challenging them, but we're whole people and you can't separate that. You can't take and disconnect my head from my arm, from my spirit, you know, from the emotions that I feel. When my physical body hurts, then don't we know that spiritually that's going to make us feel some kind of way? Right. Emotionally is going to affect us. Um, mentally is going to have an effect on us. I mean, just think about it. Think about like how if I was to see someone else in pain or, or you were to see some else, someone else in pain, mm-hmm. that may be their physical pain. But think about the emotion that you feel just from seeing it, you know? And again, think about the emotion that they may have attached to the pain that they may have felt physically. Think about how when you're not feeling good and you don't want to go to work, you know, it affects your spirit. It may affect the clarity of mind. So the services that are offered at the Center for Self-Improvement, Holistic Wellness and Transformation, are designed to address all areas. It is difficult for me as a practitioner of wellness to help someone only in one area alone. Because have you ever heard when someone has been told that they have a um, disease, mm-hmm. you know, that, I mean, I've been told this and 
now I know that this is something that they're saying is in my body or is wrong with me physically. But what type of effect does just being told that have on your spirit? Naturally, automatically. It's like, oh man, you know, you can feel the emotion change. You know, you can feel the shift. So this kind of, to me, it proves my point that you can't separate the physical from the mental, from the spiritual, from, to, from the emotional. We're all one. And I really, I like to look at it like the Trinity mm-hmm. in that they all exist, mind, body, and spirit. And they all are equally as important. And so I cannot um, separate them and they must be treated as one. So that's, you know, where the holistic wellness comes in. You know, if, if I can share with you, you know, what you just mentioned about, you know, when someone's given some, some news from a doctor or they're told about a, a, a situation with them physically, how it impacts every other part of their being. About nine years ago, my mother, in fact, it was nine years ago, I was pregnant with my son. Um, my mother was told by a doctor that she had pancreatic cancer mm. and her mother passed away from pancreatic cancer. So I didn't know about this because I was living out of state and I was pregnant and she didn't want to share with me if I could sense something, with, you know, what's going on with her. Mm-hmm. But in the six day time period, she had not only planned her funeral, she had began to plan my baby shower because she didn't think that she'll see my son. And there were a number of other things that happened, obviously, when you think you have six yeah. months to live. And on the sixth day, she followed up with another physician and she got upset and he said, you know, well, what's wrong? And she said, well, you know, I have cancer. And he said, no, you don't. Who told you that? And she explained what happened, who gave her that news. And of course, he, he was upset. But the point is, to this day, nine years later, there are decisions that she makes now because of what she experienced that day. Wow. Mind, that was a precursor to who knows what's going to happen in her future. She feels like God spared her and, and perhaps he did, but it just goes to show what, what, what happens to the human mind. She would have wow. never thought that she had to plan her own funeral. She would have never thought about the, the grandchild that she would not get to know. There are oftentimes the decisions that she still makes to this day because of that one six day period of her life. So, it, and, and of course it was tra- traumatic and it, and it still affects her. So sure. I, I, I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely right. That it is not just, there's so much that takes place with that. There, there really is. And just even you sharing that story, um, wow, that, it brings so many different memories, you know, to mind of clients that I've had the opportunity to work with over the years who have come, you know, for one thing, um, or at least they thought they were coming for one thing and was able to discover other things. But I always tell people that it is extremely important how we respond when we do hear news of any kind. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we have to pre-guard ourselves. You know, it's like when you think of furniture, you scotch guard it because you don't know. You're scotch guarding it not because you know for a fact that your baby is going to spill juice on the couch. You don't really know. You mm-hmm. scotch guard it just in case in the event that it does happen. And I feel that we need to do the same thing. We need to prepare ourselves. Not, I'm not talking about preparing ourselves for worse. What I'm saying is we prepare ourselves that so, so that, excuse me, when we do hear information, we already know that because the effect of what we hear 
You know, those words that are extremely powerful, words have energy and they're extremely powerful. So when we hear a word, depending upon what we know that word to mean, will determine how that word affects our mind, how it affects our body, how it affects our spirit. And so we have to almost safeguard ourselves just in case we hear something that we don't want it to affect us in a negative way. Mm-hmm. One of the things that um, I'm oftentimes uh, prescribing for many of my clients, no matter where they, where they come, you know, as a as a background as a social worker, you know, you hear the same. And amongst us is meeting the client where they are. So no matter where I'm meeting that client, whether they're coming in because they have you know diabetes or because they may be dealing with the so-called C word, or because they may, um, you know, be dealing with an emotional or mental challenge, no matter where they are, I always recommend that they get this book. Now I'm not, you know, necessarily promoting this book per se, but I think it's an excellent book to get because it kind of helps to how you, it helps how you address certain things. And it's called, you cannot, you cannot afford the luxury of a negative thought. Um, and I'll say it again, it's you cannot afford the luxury of a negative thought. It's a thick book, um, small but thick paperback, I believe is the way it typically comes. And it's by an author by the name of Peter McWilliams. I love this book. And that's the prescription that I give. I don't give drugs per se, but I give this because before I am able to help you help yourself, we first have to get the mind right. Because the mind controls what goes on with the body. So as you spoke and gave the example of the information that your mother heard, even though she did not hear, even though she did not physically have it, when you believe something, Mm -hmm. just hearing the words first and then believing it and accepting it as it is true and factual, it affects your entire body and the cells. It's almost like, you know, when you see an animal, you talk about you're getting ready to feed your dog. Is he not preparing? Is his tongue not hanging out of his mouth, dripping with saliva, waiting because he can begin to taste the food? He hasn't even eaten it yet, but pre-digestion begins. The mm-hmm. same way with the cells in our body, it's almost they begin to work like an army. So if you tell them, and if your, your mind believes it and identifies it, oh, this is what it is then those things begin to go to work like an army working either for you or working against you. Mm-hmm. So this is why it is so important, again, that we scotch guard ourselves, that we protect ourselves and what we let in. When we listen to music, you know, it's good to listen to music. It's a healing, soothing. It can be, you know, very healing. Um, you know, music carries vibration. But it's important, again, as we listen to music, what kind of music are we listening to? How is this affecting how I feel? How is this affecting my mood? At what time of the day am I listening to this music? Okay, the same way with food. When we make food choices, how is what I'm eating and the person who prepared it and what was on their mind, Mm -hmm. how is this affecting my body when I get ready to put it in my mouth? If the person who was preparing ahead was having a bad day and they had all kind of stuff on their mind, all of that energy is being poured into your food. And some people may say, now that's outrageous. That doesn't make sense. That's crazy. 
I bear much witness to this. I, I do. I don't even, if I'm not in the right or the best spirit, the, the spirit that I want to have, I will not even enter my kitchen mm. to cook for my family. Why is that, Dr. Meeks? That's because, first of all, I am the, I'm the doctor in my house. The, our kitchen is the laboratory. It's my laboratory where I go into that kitchen and I create what is best for my family. So as the person who is responsible for giving my children and my husband food, which gives them life, hopefully, at least that's what our intention should be, that the food that we eat get is, giving, is giving us life. So if that's my laboratory, and I know this, what happens in the laboratory? We're creating things. We're mixing things. You know, we're making things that will cause um, something to happen. Mm -hmm. So in this case, or because of this, I won't enter the kitchen to cook if I know my spirit is not right, because I don't want to end up making a disaster. I don't want to, you know, create something that if my children or if my family members were to eat it, it may cause an upset, you know, in the way that they're or interfering with their digestive system. You know, I, I it brings me to thinking about this. There is one of, um, there's a, a woman, a sister, a beautiful melanated queen, and her name is Dr. Um, Ava Muhammad. She is also an attorney. She's a speaker. She's so many things to me. And she has really um, inspired me over the years and I, I like to refer to her as like my virtual mentor. Um, but this beautiful sister, one day she was giving a lecture and she was sharing, she was talking about this whole thing that I'm, I'm referring to now in terms of the effect um, that thought can have, um, you know, when consuming or digesting food. She was sharing in one of her lectures how there was a woman who was waiting at the airport for her for her husband. Her husband had went on a trip and she was there at the airport waiting for him. She was with her newborn baby. Now this was the time when you could, they didn't have so many security measures. You can actually go, you know, mm. further in the airport if you, even if you weren't going to catch a flight. So as she was waiting, she decided that she would breastfeed her baby. And while she was breastfeeding her baby, um, you know, she got the news that her husband's plane had crashed and that he had died. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now she's breastfeeding her baby. Now this is going to show our audience just the connection with the mind, the body, and the spirit. As she's breastfeeding her baby, her baby's drinking this milk coming from mom's breast. Her baby, from what um, Sister Ava explained, died instantly as it took in milk that became poisonous to its system. Because, see, the mother was thinking about this tragic event that had just happened to her loved one, to her husband, to this baby's dad. And just the energy that was created with those negative thoughts, it created. They said that the way she described it, she said it was like the poisonous that was produced in the milk was like that of 
the venom of a rattlesnake, if not more poisonous. Even when I was in my breastfeeding years, you know, I studied um, from my spiritual teacher a uh, lecture series called How to Give Birth to a God. And in that lecture series, we he talked about the importance of protecting the womb of a woman when she's expecting and carrying life. But not just the physical womb of where you carry the baby, but the mental womb. So he in the, he also talked about in that same um, series, you know, about why it's so important that the mother is in the right mindset. Therefore, you know, the person, the male who is responsible for caring for her should, should make sure that she's always feeling good, you know, because the energy that you're thinking, that you're feeling, all of that is going into the creation of the mind of the baby. This is why babies come out with a certain temperament. This is why you can see a personality or different different things that you may see in that child and you think back to your pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so I remember when I was expecting and carrying my children, I was very careful when I was carrying them that I did not, um, that I guarded my mind, that I safeguarded myself. I stayed away from certain conversations. I stayed, you know, I kind of secluded myself. I became like, how the scriptures describes Mary and how she became when she knew that she was going to be birthing this child, this man child who people had prophesied. She went into hiding. She couldn't let anybody know. She had to to go into another um, place, a, a higher plane of existence because she had to protect this baby that she was carrying who people knew would be the Messiah. And so we, as um, the co-creators with the creator, mm-hmm. when we carry life, you know, we have to protect what is, you know, what we're carrying. And so going back to what Dr. Ava talked about, um, with the, the woman and her baby, because of what she was thinking on her mind, that energy produced a chemical reaction that caused her to produce breast milk again, that was toxic. Mm-hmm. And so it again goes back to mind, body, soul, you know, wellness. It's all connected. There is no separation. There's no separation of church and state. <laughs> there, you know, you 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 can't separate it. It all is one. And so at the center, and this probably was the longest answer ever. <laughs> at the center, we believe in treating the whole person, not just parts of the person. So this is why we focus on mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional health and wellness. Well, I can attest to what you just shared. When when I was when I was pregnant with my son, um, I had I had all the time in the world just because I was isolated. I was I was away from my family. I was a military wife, and I was living. Um, out of state and my husband was always gone. So I had time to think and I thought and thought and I prayed and all the things that I, as I not only pray, but I just imagined and thought of how I did life. I wanted my son to have yes. anything that I thought about. He has the yes. thing I omitted is what he struggles with. There, yeah. are times, there are things that I didn't even think about. Like I prayed for his, 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 his physical um, health, his mental health. I even his social health, I even pray for his sexual health. And then there are some things I just didn't think about. 
And the things I didn't think about is what we've had to address with him, you know, early mm-hmm. on in life. And, and I always think about that. I said, I, I never even never crossed my mind to consider this or that. So I completely understand and agree where you're coming from. So important. That is so, oh my God. I, I That was beautiful to my ears, uh, Dr. Lauren, as you shared that um, in your experience while you were pregnant. I mean, that's something that is so powerful. You know, women, and I just, you know, want to say to your listening audience, for those who are women as well as men, we have so much power. We have the power to create. Mm-hmm. We have the power to change. And so you created what you desired. Yeah. And that goes for any condition that we have in our life. It all starts in the mind, the womb. The womb is a representation of the mind. Because it is that space that there's a lot of things that's taking place in that space of darkness. The womb, the physical womb of a woman, definitely can be compared to the to the the world in that when you think of things being created out of triple darkness, you'll never get darker than the womb of a woman. We don't know that the baby, you know, when the baby is in there, there's not any sunlight in there. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's it's a laboratory. It's something that's going on, and you fed into your child, your baby before he was born. See, sometimes people believe that oh, you know, the baby is not like I don't know. We think that the baby is not completed, mm-hmm. or you know, when when they're in the womb, they're they're of course they're being developed, but they can hear, right? They can feel the emotion that you feel. If you're sad, they're sad. Mm-hmm. whatever it is that's coming into your mind or your spirit is going right into the spirit of the baby. So I just thank you for sharing that. And it's so important for us to recognize how powerful, you know, we are and how, what we do, what we think, what we feel, you know, all of that affects, um, you know, our, the birth or the, um, the development of the children, you know, that we carry. Absolutely. And, and you have, um, there's a component to your work that where you really focus on maternal health and, you know, you, you and I've had recent conversations about this and I've read some of your work. Tell us a little bit more about your role and your advocacy towards maternal health and and women and their choice and their desire to give birth in the way they choose to. Wow. Um, so yes. Wow. That, you know, one of the things that I probably get more excited about, I, I, and you know, Dr. Lauren, because we've talked um, a lot, and I talk, I can talk a lot, <laughs> and I get, get excited about certain conversations. I get excited. There's always like, going to be a smile on my face when I'm talking about holistic health, mental, physical, yeah. spiritual, emotional. Always going to get excited. But I must say, my confession right now at this moment is that I so enjoy maternal health and talking about and helping women women as it relates to maternal health and well-being um, because it's just so near and dear to me for so many different reasons. So part of the work that I do as it relates to maternal health and advocacy, um, I help women to know Uh, that they do have a choice. Oftentimes, we never have been told that we have a choice. And when I say choice, I'm not necessarily talking about um, whether one is pro-choice or pro-life. I'm thinking about 
the choice once you know that you are with child and this is what you desire is to bring life into the world, that you have a choice to be the person that creates this story, this your narrative. You are the author of that and that you don't have to accept what society has taught you and told you. See, we have been presented with so many different narratives that are not our own. They're really foreign to our kind. They're foreign to us. And when I say foreign, I mean that things that, are been, that have been forced upon us because of living here, you know, in Western society. Not to say that it doesn't take place in other places, but I see it more practiced in um, the West, you know. As women, I believe, one of my beliefs is that we are the co-creator with God. Yes, God is the um, force, the power, the supreme being. But when we bring women into the equation, we're also gods in our own right because we carry the power to create new life. So this is what I mean by co-creator. He's giving us the permission and the authority to create in our womb space, you know, life. Who, who else can do that? Right. It's so powerful. But with that being said, over the years, our voice has been silenced. And we have been, our choice to give birth the way that we desire or the way that we feel most comfortable has been stripped and taken away from us mm-hmm. in many instances. We've been told that this is how women give birth. You go to a hospital. You lay down on this bed, you do as you're told, you're thirsty, you're hungry, no, because that might mean that when when you're getting ready to, you know, the baby is getting ready to come out, you may have an accident, I don't want to deal with that. So no, you can't have anything to eat, we'll give you a couple ice cubes, turn over, lay down, push. You know, there are all these things that come with that. Who, Who do you think that you are to tell me that this is how it should happen? How dare you? And what I'm saying to women all over the world is that, queen, listen, our ancestors have been doing this since the annals of time. This is what we do. This is who we are. As the original women of the earth, we have the power to bring about life and we can do it the way that we desire to do it. So if I choose that I don't want to lay down, how about that? If I choose that right now, you know what, I'm working this energy up and this baby, I can feel it moving inside of me and it's getting ready to come. But I think I want to have a banana. How about that? You can't tell me what I can and cannot do. Now, the question becomes is why? Why has this society put such an emphasis on telling women what they can and cannot do? Well, that's simple. Some may not really understand. But it's called a business, Dr. Lauren. Mm-hmm. There is a business called the business of birthing. Yes. If you go into a hospital to have a baby, and I'm not telling anybody there's something wrong with that, but it's money. Just like if you go into the hospital to do anything else. Mm-hmm. And if they can get you in there and they already know how much they're going to charge you. See, this is the thing. Birthing is freedom. Yes. Doesn't cost anything to to have a baby. It's a natural process. We've been taught that it's unnatural. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And anytime I believe that something is not natural, it's unnatural. Anytime I believe that it's something is a sickness or illness, then what do I do? I have to go to the hospital because I need help. We've been trained and conditioned to believe that when women are pregnant, they, um, they now have an issue mm-hmm. that needs to be treated. And what I'm saying to women is I'm giving them back their voice and saying, no. See, the queen of the universe understands that this is a natural experience. The queen of the universe knows that she's connected to God, the ultimate life giver. The queen of the universe understands that her womb is, her womb is sacred and that she's been put here as one who can share with the world the many gifts that have come. Because if it didn't come through her, then it didn't come. It didn't happen. So why must I be dictated to and told that I have to do it this way and that way when my ancestors have been doing it since the annals of time with no issue? Right. Because it's a business. Right. And the more that I can make off your ignorance, the more money I can make off your ignorance, then the better off my pockets will be. Mm -hmm. So doctors, and I'm not saying all doctors, there's some good doctors out there. There's some wonderful doctors out there. Correct. There's some wonderful people in the health profession who really care about women. But what I do know, statistically speaking, that the infant mortality rate, especially among black women, but the infant mortality rate here in America is extremely high in comparison to any other country. And I'm talking about infant mortality rate where babies have been born in hospitals. Mm -hmm. So a part of my work is to inform women and to advocate on their behalf to provide them with information that maybe they did not know. And I'm not saying, okay, you need to do it this way, you need to do it that way. But what I am saying is that however you choose to give birth, I want you to know that these are your options. Don't let a doctor come and threaten you. Don't let a doctor come in here and make you so afraid that he forces you to have a cesarean section when you knew that you were capable of being able to do it the natural way. And again, I really want to be clear about this because there's a lot of controversy, you know, surrounded around this topic. And sometimes because I speak with passion, (laughs) when I talk about this topic, I can be misunderstood. I speak with passion because this, again, this is just something that moves me. I really feel that God has gifted me in this area and I really pull and draw from the strength of of those who came before me. Mm -hmm. But I want to make sure that um, to those who are listening, again, however you choose to give birth, I'm not saying that there are not times When people have to go to hospitals to give birth, I'm not saying there are times when people may have to have a cesarean section. I'm not saying where there are times when there may be the that you may need the assistance of someone else who has another type of knowledge. But what I'm saying, and and this is all based on research that I've done over the years, for over the last twenty, twenty-two, no, about twenty years. Mm -hmm. Um, and I find that. In this particular country, America, where we currently live, the business of birthing has gotten out of control. Mm -hmm. And because of it, there have been conditions 
and in the hospitals. And there has been conspiracy. I'll go ahead and say a conspiracy, if you will, to make sure that there's a certain level of control that's associated with women in their birthing rights Mm -hmm. because it is more important to make a dollar than it is to really concern yourself with how a woman is being treated during this most sacred time and experience. And I feel that the birthing experience probably is one of the most sacred times that any of us will ever experience. That's the child and the family, including the mother and the father. It's a very sacred time and it should be treated with respect. And I know too many people who have had experiences that were not good experiences and it left trauma. It left trauma. Some women do not want to have babies because of the trauma that they've experienced in a hospital where they Mm -hmm. were mistreated, where they were ripped open barbarically. Now, I just want to put something on the listener's mind. For those of us who know the work of our ancestors, who those of us who know the work of our great-great-grandparents, who some of our sisters were out there picking cotton in the fields mm-hmm. at 5 a.m. And then at 6 a.m., they were squatting in that same field and a baby was coming out. And then by the time 10 o'clock came, it, they were back out there on the field. I'm not saying that that is the way it should be at all because a woman definitely needs her rest. She just gave birth to a God. But what I am saying is that if this is what we've been doing, you know, our women were called to be the, the um, wet nurses and mm-hmm. the midwives for many because this was their skill set. But then there, became, there came the turn of the century and this business of birthing started booming. And then there started to be a new narrative that had to be put out there to the people. Because they realize the more people that bought into this, the more money they can make. And most of the people who went into this so-called profession had no clue. The midwives knew. The midwives studied, you know, the universe. So they knew exactly what to do and when to move and what the woman needed because they too were women. And I'm not disrespecting any man out there who chooses now to, you know, go into the profession to help women with delivery. But it's something innate about a woman that just knows. So when a woman knows her body and she's feeling the need to push and they tell you, no, don't push. Are you serious? Mm-hmm. My body naturally is telling me this is what I need to do. And you're telling me, hold on. You know, so I can go on and on about this. I can probably do a whole show on this. But it's so dear and near to my heart. And I, um, I apologize in advance. No, 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 know. no, don't. I, I feel like no matter what topic we touch, I have a testimony to back it. But to to your point and support of what you're saying um, and what you witness and what you've researched, I can I can share that when I did give birth to my son, he was born on a military base, and everything that you're touching on, I experienced. Um, my water broke at it woke me up at six a.m. woke me up out of my sleep. Um, called my husband. We went. I, I probably arrived to the hospital about before seven. At seven o'clock, I remember asking, you know. Because I had not experienced pain at that point. I just, you know, my water had broken. But I, I did say, you know, I'm curious to know, when do you think I'll have the baby? And they looked me dead in my eye and said, oh, you'll have the baby today. <laughs> okay. 
I've heard of women in, in labor 24, 36 hours, but you're telling me I will have baby today. And they were absolutely right. I had the baby today. Now, how did they make that happen? They gave me Pitocin to increase my contractions and to bring on my labor. And I noticed that there was a nurse who was, she was in training and they had introduced her to us because she said, you know what? The head nurse said, this, this, uh, this young lady's in training. I think you guys will be a great couple for her to work with today. And they were over by the Pitocin, Pitocin machine and they were doing something. And I heard the, the young students say, I thought we we're never supposed to go over 20. And the mm. more seasoned nurse said, uh, well, you know, I mean, she, she said something discreetly to her, but like, no, she, she's going to go over. So they were, they were really pushing that Pitocin. They were pushing it because they wanted me to have that baby that day. And then, another, then the midwife came in and she said, hours later, okay, this baby is going to be big. This baby is going to be at least 10 pounds. So you might want to go ahead and get the epidural. So I'm already scared now. And I said, well, I don't want epidural. I, I don't want that. I, I, I don't, that's not what I planned. So they kept saying, the baby's going to be big. Baby's going to be big. So, okay, at this point now, I, I cave because I, I was approached several times with, I mean, she even got on her knee and got close to me and said, I think you really need to make this decision. We need to do this now. So I opted to have the epidural, which was a very traumatic experience for me. Um, and then because I decided to have the epidural, my body could not tell me naturally speak to me and tell me when it was time to push. I had to depend on others to tell me. Right. And because of that, I experienced a lot of tearing. Um, mm. And all of that to say, and the baby was born that day, you know, so it, it it's, and, and because it was a military base, the goal was get her in, get her out, get the next one in. You and you, you, yeah, that's the thing, mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Lauren. Um, and it doesn't just happen at the military base, though. The hospitals, See, the thing about it is the doctor has a schedule. Yeah. He's already told his wife he's coming home for dinner. Wow. Or she's already told her children that she'll be there at the um, musical that's taking place at seven o'clock. Mm. So he and she, they have a job to do. No, they may not have a nine to five. So it's already a conv- inconvenience of their life. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not speaking to all, but I know this to be yeah. a fact. So because they're on a schedule, you're going to be on their schedule. And so with the baby's life. That's not how God designed it. Okay. So because you're on that schedule, oh, you're going to have the baby today. (laughs) And then there are scare tactics that's used. Yeah. You you hear this more, and I'm sure many of your listeners, they who have had babies and who have been in that room, they probably have heard this before. Oh, the baby's heart rate is dropping. So we're going to have to perform a cesarean section. You know, the baby is under, you know, stress Mm -hmm. because, you know, I'm watching this heart. These are scare tactics oftentimes that are used because if I'm a mother and I'm carrying life, whether it be my first, second or third child, if I'm carrying a baby and you're telling me that really this baby might be at risk of something. That's right. Oh my God. That you mean to tell me that. My baby's heart rate is dropping. I'm his mother. I have to do whatever I need to do. Mm-hmm. What is it? So I fall back into submission. Mm-hmm. What do I need to do, Doc? Well, I'm going to have to cut you open and go in and take the baby so that the baby can live. <laughs> and you'll later find that that wasn't the case at all. These are tactics that have, they've been trained to do, the doctors and the nurses alike. Yes. Because if 
see, this is the thing about a baby, though, and the mother and her natural abilities. A mother could pass out, okay? I guarantee you that baby is still coming out of there without the assistance of anybody and anything. When the baby is ready to come, the baby is ready to come. And I don't care how big the baby is. They tell us these things too. Oh, you know, that baby is too big to come out vaginally. God put it in there. God is going to bring, bring it out. That's right. There's no such thing. Our, you know, we are made to expand. It's called elasticity. You know, <laughs> and sometimes we just don't use simple, I'll say simple, you know, common sense, just because we've been so tainted with so many other things, including fear, you know, sure. even gravity, gravity is what helps bring that baby right on down the slide. Gravity does that. That's a law of nature. So what is the famous position that they tell women to lay in or get in? They want you to lay down. Why? Right. They want you to lay down because that's convenient for them. Mm-hmm. It's easier for them to do their job if you're laying. Tell them, go. I, tell, I guarantee, ask any <laughs> woman who's planning a pregnancy while she's in the middle of getting ready to deliver, tell them that you're about to stand up like your ancestors did. Tell them you're about to squat or get on your knees and watch the reaction that you're going to get. They're going to tell you, I'm saying, oh, don't do that. No, what it is, is that for me to do that, which, you know, goes right along with gravity, the baby is going to allow the baby more room and make it come out much more easier. But for the practitioner, on the other hand, is going to be such an inconvenience. Now I have to get on the floor. Now I have to get on my knees. Now I have to get under and it's not comfortable. Child, you better lay down in that bed and open your legs and push when I tell you to be a good little one now. Do as you're told. And so with my advocacy and maternal health uh, experiences, I help women to reclaim their voice, to reclaim their choice and to reclaim their power. That's right. Because I see it as a a divine um, gift to be even in a position to give birth. And it should be treated as sacred as anything that is on that level of existence, you know, because there's nothing else like it. And I would have loved to have had an advocate with me, you know, somebody, because my husband certainly didn't know what to do. Um, We trust the system um, and we were desperate to have a healthy child. And so you're right. You know, you, you kind of go along with it because for one, you, you want, you want the situation to be over as soon as possible is not pleasant. And and had I not had that epidural, I would have been able to walk around, but now I'm confined to a bed with a catheter. Yeah, yeah. You know, so there's so much. There's so much in that. So that that would have been great. And so that's great that you are you are doing that work. Now, how does that tie into your um title as the indigenous baby catcher? Tell us about that. <laughs> wow. So they they really kind of work almost hand in hand. Um because of my love to be an advocate and um, to work in the area of maternal health and wellness. Um, And because of my experience in being blessed to be able to birth two children into the world in the comfort of my own home um, with the assistance of, you know, my children's father, that experience and 
you know, many after that, it gave me, it gave me my voice. Um, it gave me the right so that I can make a choice. And this is a choice I actually had made way before, um, you know, I, I knew I was pregnant. I had decided long ago because I had been studying for so long, you know, about home births mm-hmm. and, I was just so fascinated and I was just so in awe. I knew that this is what I wanted to do. So when the time came, I was blessed to be able to, you know, um, have exactly what I desire, which is a a home birth. So I was able to create my own narrative. It wasn't the lights, the camera and the action. It wasn't in like a cold place, you know, where once my baby came out, they were slapping him on his backside, you know, trauma, trauma. (laughs) Imagine being in a dark space for like nine months. And then boom, you're in like all of these unnatural lights, you know, but that's a whole nother thing. So I was able to create that narrative for myself to where it was comfortable for me. I was able to play the type of music I wanted to play. If I wanted to play music at all, I was able to just kind of, you know, get in the spirit and and create the energy that I wanted. And so with doing that, um, after after that, my first experience, which my um, oldest son is now 18 years old. so. After my first experience, I decided that I wanted to tell the world. I wanted to share this with everybody else. So anytime I saw a woman who was pregnant, I was like, oh my God, you're having a baby. You know, ooh, let me tell you. You know, so I always encourage women. Then I had friends who were like, oh, well, wow, that was amazing what you did. You know, can you help me? I want to have a home birth. So then I just started naturally just sharing information with women. And then for those who were really serious about, you know, having a home birth, then I would do I provided consultations. You know, I would share with them my experience. And then before you knew it, I started helping women. I became an indigenous baby catcher. Now what you, I used to call, I used to say midwife, but you know, I don't say it anymore because for legal purposes, see, I'm, I'm of the belief of this. When God gave me something naturally, when he gave it to me, it's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's something that's already innate in me. So that, so therefore, I didn't go to school to learn how to do it. Mm-hmm. Not knocking anybody who goes to school for that profession. I didn't. It was something that came naturally for me. God continues to download information to me to this day as it relates to birthing. And so that experience empowered me and I wanted to be able to share my services. And so I would meet people, couples, women who were oftentimes referred to me. And they say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about this. Can you help me? And even if they decided for different reasons that they didn't want to go along with the actual birth at home, I still was an advocate on their behalf by helping them write a birthing plan, by going over what is it that you really desire. You know, let's create this this narrative and then giving them that birthing plan so they can go to the hospital with it and then being there at the hospital if they needed me to be. So no matter what they chose, as their way to birth, still giving them the empowerment and the voice. So it's, that's why I say it ties them together. So just the, and, and I just thought about the title. I said, wow, what, what am I? Cause I remember I used to sometimes feel some kind of way when I would say midwife mm-hmm. and I don't have any objection to the name in and of itself. I would feel some kind of way only because I knew that, no, I was not certified as a midwife, but my ancestors weren't certified either. No, no they, they weren't. Didn't. That was what they recall. That's right. Um, I, I, but again, when I would go around other people who were in certain professions, 
special, you know, professions, whether it be nurses or doctors, who this is what they went to school for and they were trained, which is very different. And I'm, and let me say something. I'm very thankful for technology. I'm very thankful that when someone finds themselves in a situation during pregnancy and they need emergency care, I'm thankful that there are things and techniques that can help them. But when I would be around others who this was their profession because they went to school for it, and I would say, so I always would say, you know, I am a lay midwife. You know, my layman wife, I would say it like that. And I remember one day somebody asked me, how does that make you feel when you say that? <laughs> this is one of my um, per- people who, who know I'm really deep into mindset and, you know, language and words. And I was like, oh, I, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Meaning I don't like the feeling that comes with that. And maybe it's because of a mental trauma that I've experienced myself associated with people telling me what I cannot do and how crazy I am for thinking that I can have these babies at home. And child, who do you think you are? And that's crazy. Really? You're not going to go to the hospital? Oh, you having another baby? You're going to, what, you're going to have it at home again? You know, <laughs> these are the things that I would have to hear from friends and family alike. And so I decided, and this was more recently that I began to, because I used to just say holistic, you know, midwife, but I just decided that I will turn myself as to what I am and what I am. I am indigenously connected to this because this is what my ancestors do and did. So therefore I am the indigenous baby catcher. And I just look at it like that. So, (laughs) but it all ties into maternal health. It's just that baby catching part is just a step above, not a step above, but just it's another component of working Mm -hmm. in maternal health with those who have decided that, you know what, this is what I want to do. And can you come and help me? And I'm very careful with that because I do live in a state where this is not something that is accepted. You know, you can't necessarily practice solo, you know, as a midwife per se here in this state. You know, different states have different laws. Um, So what I do, even as an indigenous baby catcher, I am helping you as the woman. I'm empowering you, showing you what you're made of, giving you, you know, a clear um, vision by helping you to see it, and then I help you to execute it. Gotcha. So you're doing it. We're doing it as a family unit. I have, I'm your sister, and I'm here to serve you. So whatever you need me to do with my experience. So no, I'm not the midwife because I can go to jail. I'm the indigenous baby catcher. And I say that, you know, and I laugh, but it's so true. Right. You know, there are many people who would love to be in this state. As a matter of fact, I have a, a sister-in-law. Uh, and she is a midwife. She's trained as a midwife and she practices in another state. She practices um, in New Mexico, but she wants to come home to Illinois. But mm. this is not a state that's necessarily open and friendly. Now, practicing inside of a hospital is a thing. But see, hospital midwifery looks very different from indigenous midwifery, you know. Right. Right. Absolutely. Now, with your advocacy with maternal health, I've watched you on social media um, and with some of your efforts in terms of even you just educating parents. You're also a parent advocate. So as women give birth and they have these children, it it seems as if you continue on with your work and you continue to serve the family um, as they're raising their children. So can you tell us more about some of the things that you advocate for for parents? Yes. So for parents, oftentimes, you know, um, we have a lot of different challenges, especially from the time our children are school age and even before then, you know, from simple things. And I won't say simple things, but let's say with immunizations, 
immunizations in this country, you know, they push it like they're pushing drugs. There's a reason for that too. Very similar to the reason that I mentioned that, um, you know, there's the business of birthing. So in that, in knowing that, and me knowing the dangers of immunizations and vaccinations, I advocate on behalf of parents who are conflicted and who really don't know. They know that they might have heard something about how it causes autism and how it causes, you know, all these different things, but they really not sure or they don't have all the information and the knowledge. And then now they're being bullied by the school system who forces them and tells them, well, if your child is not given this shot, then we're going to, you know, expel them or we're going to kick them out. You know, we're not going to allow them to come or you better make sure that they get this and have all these 15 billion shots, (laughs) you know, before they're two. It's just like crazy. So no matter what stage they're at, whether they're at the beginning and they're at the hospital just having the baby and they're being told they have to have all these shots or they're going to call DCFS. See, these are the things that they threaten our people with. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, this is the thing that really just frustrates me to no end because why does everything have to be fear-based? And we know fear to mean different things. It could stand for false evidence appearing real. This stuff is false, okay? They put this stuff, you know, these threats, they make them because they want you to be shaken in your boots. They want you to believe that if you don't do what I say, then I'm going to get in trouble. Oh my God, can you imagine DCFS? They're going to come and take my babies. Mm-hmm. If I don't, you know, give them the shot, they're not going to be able to go to school. Well, see, that's what the masses, that's what the masses believe. There's, there's always going to be an 85%, which we call the masses. There's going to be a 5%, which, you know, I call the poor righteous teacher. There's going to be a 10%, you know, wickedly wise people who are planning your demise. Ask right. the 10%. Ask the 10% of their children getting vaccinated. Mm-hmm. You know, Robert De Niro, who is, you know, a person who has a huge um, following because of his voice and his advocacy work against mm-hmm. immunization, because he knows not, and I'm not putting him in the 10% at all, but I'm just saying there are people out there who know. I recently mm-hmm. posted something on my page about um, Tony Braxton and her mentioning how she noticed some of the changes, you know, that her son had the minute that he got certain vaccinations. That's right. But this is something that's taking place all over the world. And you really see it with black boys. Mm-hmm. You see it with others too. But you see it a lot with black boys. There's there's a reason for that. And I can't I don't, we don't have much time in this show to to go into that. But that is the work um, as it relates to parent advocacy. And then also with the parent advocacy too. As parents, you know, I had a, a and I'll just share this real quick. I had experience um, with my second son, a second born, who is in high school. And last year, um, he, after being homeschooled, he wanted to, you know, go to a regular school, quote unquote, regular, <laughs> whatever that means. And so me and his dad, we allowed him to, to make that choice. And but anyway, to, to fast forward, he had an experience while he was there where he was being bullied. Mm-hmm. And wow, that was a tough one for me. That was tough. So my child is being bullied and I had to deal with this. And so when I go up to the school to deal with it, particularly with administration, I hated the way they chose to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they got an F, you know, in, in the way in which they handled that. You know, I 
feel that they needed to be trained and educated as to how to deal with that. But I also felt like, man, I really want to talk to this parent. I want to talk to the parent of this child that bullied. And let me just say, thankfully, my child, even though he was bullied, see, because people, we have different perceptions of what bullying mean. It could come on all levels. But even though he was being bullied, he still stood up for himself, but he was still being bullied nonetheless. Right. And the parents, I really wanted to have a conversation with them. Well, the school didn't allow me, but I Mm -hmm. felt like this is necessary. And this is probably my, you know, social work, you know, and mental health skills kicking in. Because I'm like, you know, there's an issue here that this young man can come and do these things and say these things, you know, I need to talk to the parents. I just really want to kind of get to the bottom of this. Because that's my sister. That's my brother. You know, I'm in the community to serve. So I really want to talk. But make a long story short, they didn't allow it. And it was just some other things that took place. And through that pain, because I was his mother, as my child's mother, I was going through some pain of that experience. I decided to take my pain and wrap it up with my passion. Because mm-hmm. I was already, I've already been an advocate since I can remember, since a child. And I've already, you know, advocated on behalf of parents. So then I was like, wow. So I ended up creating a curriculum. This is where this curriculum was born out. I won't talk about that on this show, but the curriculum was designed to teach parents of teach parents as well as the administration on more effective and efficient ways to deal with bullying. Mm -hmm. And not only the parents of the bullier, but the parent of the child that's being bullied. And that's how that was born. And yeah, so the rest is, is history still in the making. So and if I can ask this, if, if someone's listening to this and they're hearing all the wonderful things that, you know, you offer families, would we separate them from the center or do they fall under the center? I just want to make sure that people are clear on that. They all really fall under the center because okay. again, the center is designed to deal with mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional um, needs. It is to help individuals to obtain optimal health and wellness. But everything that I talked about is related to obtaining optimal health and wellness. It's just different parts of it, you know? So I am Lakey Shane Idira, the speaker. I am also Lakey Shane Idira, the advocate and all of these different things, you know, but under the center, you know, which is an extension of who I am, these services are provided. So okay, yeah. gotcha. Okay, and and you just spoke on um, speaking. I I had an opportunity to kind of um, participate in one of your recent social media posts where you know you had offered an opportunity to provide a training or workshop on parenting. Um, what what can someone expect from you in terms of speaking? I, I do you t- do you touch on all these topics that we're going over? Um, I do. Okay. I do. I can tell you though. Yes. Yeah, so, so part of my speaking, yes, I, in just about every topic that I, we've had the opportunity to talk, um, about today, I do speak on, mm-hmm. um, one of the things that's very near and dear to my heart as well is women. And that's probably because I am a woman. So women's issues, challenges, and needs. And so, I help women to unwrap their gifts and I love being able to speak and empower and encourage women in any of the areas that I've talked about. So when I speak, yes, I may be speaking as an expert or an advocate in a particular area that we have mentioned, but for the most part, um, I believe that a lot of the speaking that I have had the opportunity to do at least over the course of the years, because I've been actually speaking and I didn't realize that until I was preparing for your show as I was just kind of jotting 
down some things. I've been speaking since like about 1995, mm-hmm. 94, 95. Um, started off speaking, you know, at my place of worship, you know, um, in the ministry. And then I started speaking at colleges and universities. I would be invited. And at that time I was, you know, a lot younger and I didn't realize, you know, like the effect that this was having, but I was oftentimes being called to speak, you know, um, and that's when I got most comfortable. And I realized, wow, this is what I really enjoy doing. As you see, I'm just talking and talking now because I like talking about subjects that I enjoy, you know, that I can relate to. And I like being able to share with people and give them information, especially if it's something that they desire. Um, so I don't even know if I answered your question. No, but. no, 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 you did. Absolutely. It's just that, you know, that be, because you offer so much and, and I and I will share with you that. And I think I mentioned this to you before that you're so effective because even as it relates to health and wellness, what we eat, what we what we allow ourselves to take into our bodies you just really being straightforward, honest, but also offering solutions has helped me to make better decisions on a daily basis. So I remember sharing with you, I saw a post that you made. It was about, it was about something related to food, but that day I made a decision not to eat one thing and I chose to eat something different. (laughs) It's very very impactful and it's very effective. Um, And I think about that. And because you, you, you share often, it's always backed up with data. And it's very clear and it really makes you think, you know, um, I thank God for your gifts, you know, because it's very needed. We all need reminders. And so there are times when I'm just like, wow, okay, I, I've, I received that. <laughs> I received that. You said something really good and I just kind of want to chime in and say this. You said we all need reminders. This is the thing about me. Oftentimes when I speak, especially when I'm inspired to, you know, post something, it's usually something that might've been on my mind. Sometimes it can be personal. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just something that just came to my spirit, Mm -hmm. but we all need reminders and I'm reminded daily. So I, you know, when I speak, I'm speaking to myself. I speak to myself because I'm constantly learning. Listen, one of the other titles that I give myself as a student, I will forever be a student I am a student until the day I take my last breath because I learn from other people. I learn from other people's experiences. You know, I learn from listening. And sometimes I may learn even through trial and error, but I learn. And so when I'm blessed to be in a position as a student, you know, I try as best as I can to be open and to be humble. But when you mentioned the reminder, a reminder is a mercy. So speaks, you know, various scriptures that we have and just, you know, things that our ancestors have given us, you know, reminders are mercy and they come in many different ways. So as much as I may be a reminder for others, everyone is oftentimes a reminder for me because I'm always listening and looking to figure how can I improve myself? How can I, you know, make a change? Wow. Does this apply to me? Do I need to do a self-check in the mirror? Do I need to go back and reevaluate, you know, self-correct, self-evaluate, you know? So yeah, a reminder definitely is a mercy and it's a blessing indeed. And that it, and that's even to me because I promise when I'm talking, I'm talking to myself. I say, listen, listen, I may be standing before hundreds of people, but I'm listening to myself and let me make sure that I am found doing exactly what it is that I'm encouraging other people to do. 
Okay. I appreciate that. Well, I, you know, I know you are busy, so I won't keep you long because I really feel like I can talk to you all weekend. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> but I, I do, I'm curious about one thing. So yeah. if having said all this, if a person is really interested in working with you, what would be the process um, in terms of their involvement with the center? Do they come in? And, and for one example, do they meet with you? Do they have like an assessment? Do they kind of just have like a consultation over the phone? What can someone expect to get get the ball rolling in terms of developing a working relationship with the center? Great question. So they can start by contacting me. They can either give me a call or go into um, the centerforselfimprovement.com and, you know, um, make an appointment. And yes, I actually offer a complimentary a, compl- a complimentary session, you know, maybe about 20 to 30 minutes, just so that we can kind of discover, you know, just like, I guess, a discovery session, if you will. We can just kind of figure out what's going on and what you actually might be in need of. So, and once we kind of go through that, then we'll take it from there. I'll give you an outline of what it is that I think that you could benefit most from. And then we'll determine whether or not it's a good fit. That's important. That's a key thing, whether or not it's a good fit, because I recognize that with my personality and even with the services that I may offer and, you know, everybody is not going to be a good fit for me and I'm not going to be a good fit for everybody either. You know, I'm the type of person I love helping people, but I particularly love helping people who also want them want to be helped. Mm-hmm. I don't do any back and forth, any push and pull. There's nothing that I do, you know, there's where there's, there's no force. If this is what you really desire for your life, I desire for you too, but I can't work harder than you. So I choose to work with people who are ready. And even if you're not ready, it's okay. You know, I don't mind sharing with you information and things like that, but that's pretty much what you can expect. You can give me a call and we can talk and it can be done over the phone. And that's the beautiful thing, you know, with technology, doesn't matter where you are in the world. You know, I do have clients overseas and other places that I'm able to communicate with, you know, via um, Zoom and Skype, you know. And so Mm -hmm. I offer my services to anybody who feels that they may need it and that they're ready to make a change and be transformed. Okay. Sounds good. Well, I definitely will encourage anyone out there who's looking for additional support, holistic support, to um, work with our sister, Alaki Shea Muhammad, because Knowing you and the experience I've had with you so far, not only are you passionate, but you're very sincere, very personal, and you really actually truly care about the individual and all the working components of their life. And so I know, again, just hearing your voice every week through the podcast, just seeing your post, it has helped to transform me. So I can only imagine what someone will experience having that one-on-one personal support from you. Have you ever worked with groups of people, like small groups? Are they usually individuals? Both. <laughs> of course, you probably already knew the answer to that because since it seems like I'm I'm here there, I both I enjoy both. Actually, I love one on one, you know, individually, but I also enjoy groups as well because it can be, you know, effective. Sometimes people may be a little shy; they may not always feel as comfortable working one on one, and they may feel, you know, more or they may feel more comfortable, you know, when they're in a group where there's other people who might be going through the same thing. So I do both. Um, some of the groups that I do are parenting, um, as well as anger avoidance or anger management. Um, and so I do a quite a few different things, but yes, but I, I do both groups as well as individual. And before we wrap up, I hear a little rumor or may have seen a little post here and there about a potential 
book that's coming up that you have been involved with. You want to touch on that a little bit? Ooh, okay. Yeah, I'm excited about this. I do have a book that's coming out and it's called um, Voices of the 21st Century, Women Who Influence and Inspire um, and Make a Difference. And so this is a book collaborative work that I am blessed to work on um, with the Women's Speakers Association, which is a nationally known organization who um, basically helps women speakers by providing, you know, resources and other assistance in development. And so this organization, they came together to do this book collaboration where they invited 30 women from around the world um, to share, you know, very similar to, I guess, a book similar to like Chicken Soup for the Soul. Mm -hmm. So in this book, basically there are 30 chapters because there are 30 women and we all share just experiences that we've had, um, things that we feel might inspire other women and motivate um, and help to influence women to change or just just to be inspired. So I'm really excited about that book. It actually is going to be um, coming out on October the 18th. This is the day. And just for your listeners on that day, we will be selling the book for 99 cents on that day only October the 18th. I actually will provide a link and, you know, you can just go on and purchase that book. And so the reason I really enjoyed that book, writing it, it's because I was able to talk about my own experience, you know, with maternal health. I have a very short chapter in there, but the, um, the other stories from the other women were absolutely fabulous. I mean, I learned a lot. I really did. And I was very inspired by some of the beautiful women who partook in this book collaboration. So I'm really excited about it and I'm just looking forward to it. Do you know, sister, if the on the 18th, if the 99 cent version will only be electronic, will there be a hard copy available as well or both or no? No, now that is a good question. I know for a fact that it will be electronic for sure. Uh, but that whether or not it will be the hard copy at 99 cent, I'm not sure, but I can find out um, and let you know. Okay. And I asked because by the time they hear the show um, will be the 21st. And so I would like to offer our listeners an opportunity to get a copy from me. I'm going to purchase um, when they are available, several hard copies for everyone. And I will make sure, I'm sorry, not for everybody. Some of y'all not going to get one from me, but you will need to go out and buy one, but I will get a handful of books um, for the listeners and make sure that I pass them out because I really appreciate Wow, Dr. Meeks, that is absolutely so very kind of you to um, to do that. I mean, I really, really appreciate it. Wow. Yeah, no, it's no problem. I mean, once once a month, um, our podcast will have some type of giveaway. So I want to make sure that at that time that I offer people an opportunity to have it for those who may not have the means to, to have it. I, I, our, our loyal listeners, I, I want to offer that. So um, and again, you know, you, your work has been so supportive of our podcast. You have been individually supportive of me personally. And I, I know for a fact that whatever you wrote in that book, our people need to hear it. <laughs> so I want to make sure that message is spread. Well, that, is, that is kind. I receive that though, because I, I really, honestly, I enjoy reading the book. I enjoy reading the other authors. You know, I was able to really get to know them on a different level. And it just kind of is, you know, we talked just about it just a moment ago that, you know, a reminder is a blessing and to be inspired by others is always, you know, an opportunity for growth. 
Yes, absolutely, though. So everybody out there, our family, just so you know, you will be hearing from me at the time that this is released so that you can participate in the giveaway. So we make sure that you have a copy of our sister's book um, and you can share um, with your family some of the information that, that you're learning from her because she is absolutely a teacher and a healer. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. No problem. No problem. So before we go, just one more time, how can people get in contact with you if they want to get involved with the center, if they want to reach out to you? uh, What is the best way to contact you? The audience can contact me by reaching out to me by um, phone, which is 630-748-4849, or visit us at www.thecenterforselfimprovement.com. And so I just wanted to just kind of say to uh, Dr. Meese at the center, now I'm not the only um, practitioner, you know, I do have other various practitioners. And so again, when I even talked about if it's not a good fit, um, you know, we do have others who specialize in many different areas. So I did want to say that, but yes, you can feel free to reach out and we would love to hear from you because we're all about being able to serve. Absolutely. Okay, well, is there anything else you want to share? Just whatever it is, any advice, any parting comments or whatever you want to share with us is your opportunity. The only thing I can think of, because I know we've been on this, we've been conversing for a minute. And so the only thing I can think of is I just want to remind our listeners that, that, you know, we have power. Mm -hmm. We have the power to create our own destiny. So go ahead and do something absolutely awesome. Okay. Well, thank you, Queen. We, I, I personally appreciate you being on here, but I know this show is going to be dynamic. We're going to change lives today. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Meeks. I appreciate you bringing me on the show. And wow, I look forward to the future. I look forward to your future podcast. I didn't even get a chance to talk about how much I enjoy what you're doing, but I I look forward also to us working together in other areas. So thank you and much love to you and everything that you do for everyone else. Much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you so much. We know whatever you're doing, I'm right behind you. I'm following you. So you know, <laughs> I, I won't miss an opportunity to participate in whatever you have coming down the pipeline. So fantastic. Um, yes. Well, family, it's been great. Thank you so much for listening in. If you have any questions or concerns for me, please email me at laurentmeeks at gmail.com. I have so much that I want to share with this show. I'm so excited to talk to our sisters. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but if I did look for the show notes, I probably will add her contact information and various other things on the show notes as well, though. So until then, we will talk to you next time. Take care. Thank you for listening to Confessions of a Melanated Queen. Follow Dr. Meeks on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dr. Lauren Meeks. If you have a confession, visit confessionsofamelanatedqueen.com and share your story. Peace and love.